Mokstra provides businesses with their own client interaction app for today's digital age. Your app will be a one-stop hub, keeping your clients in continuous connection with your business from anywhere. Manage your team to effectively respond to clients all from within your app. Get your one-stop app at Mokstra.com. Companies want to test workers before they open up offices and factories. Getting test kits is one problem. Another is it gets real personal. There's a lot of information about employees' health and personal lives that comes into this conversation. Plus, how to understand the bizarre behavior in the oil market right now. And finally, the quiet angels saving your office plants from certain doom. It is Tuesday, April 21st. I'm Mark Garrison with The Wall Street Journal, and this is What's News. President Trump says he'll sign an executive order temporarily suspending immigration into the U.S. He cited the need to protect jobs during the coronavirus pandemic. This was announced in a tweet which did not contain policy details. Administration officials say the order won't make major changes. Currently, most forms of immigration are halted because of the coronavirus. States are burning through cash to pay unemployment claims, raising concern they'll need help from the federal government. New York already asked for a $4 billion no-interest loan. Nearly half of states are seeing their unemployment trust funds drop by double digits. Congress and the Trump administration are getting closer to a potential $450 billion deal that would extend the Small Business Relief Program, among other things. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell took to the floor last night to express disappointment it wasn't ready sooner. The Senate, regretfully, will not be able to pass more funding for Americans' paychecks today. However, since this is so urgent, I've asked that the Senate meet again tomorrow in a new session that was not previously scheduled, and the Democratic leader has agreed to my request. Lawmakers are generally optimistic a deal will get done soon. We are reporting Fannie and Freddie may be allowed to buy home loans that are in forbearance. The regulator of the mortgage giants is considering this as a way to reduce the strain on mortgage companies, while many Americans can't make their monthly payments. Right after this, just what it means when the price of oil becomes a negative number. Global stocks followed U.S. indexes lower overnight, with Asian shares closing lower and European stocks opening down. The drop comes after a historic day in oil markets, when some U.S. futures plunged below zero. Markets columnist Mike Bird explains what exactly negative oil prices mean. What that means is that an investor who was looking to take a barrel of oil in Cushing, Oklahoma, in May could actually be paid money to do so. And the reason that's happened is that the coronavirus impact on the global economy has meant the supply of oil is very, very high relative to the demand for oil. What that's done over the last month or so is fill up the physical storage space for oil where it would usually be stored. That means that storing it is now very, very expensive. And essentially, it's not worth paying a positive price for to a buyer. Now, that's a little bit more of an anomaly You see the further out you get on the futures, futures maturing in June, further into the year, they're still in positive territory. People don't expect oil to be priced negatively forever, but it's going to depend a lot on what happens to the global economy. If demand stays very, very low for oil, you might see oil prices continuing to fall. I think for the time being, it's still best to see that actual negative price as more of an anomaly and low and falling prices further out as more of the rule for what's happening with oil. 
Today, Netflix, Coke, Lockheed Martin, and Snap are among companies reporting earnings. In just a moment, the remarkably tricky business of on-the-job coronavirus testing. Moxtra provides businesses with their own client interaction app for today's digital age. Your app will be a one-stop hub, keeping your clients in continuous connection with your business from anywhere. Manage your team to effectively respond to clients all from within your app. Get your one-stop app at Moxtra.com. Someday, people will go back to work in actual workplaces, but before companies and employees can feel safe about reopening offices, stores, and factories, some managers want to be able to test workers for the coronavirus. But doing that requires navigating some daunting minefields, from just getting test kits to workplace privacy issues. Journal reporter Sarah Krause has the story. She spoke with our Charlie Turner. Sarah, what are some of the hurdles that companies would likely face in testing their workers for COVID-19? So the biggest overarching challenge right now is the sheer availability of tests. There is a shortage of tests for the general public, not to mention some of the frontline workers in certain communities. There's been supply shortages and backlogs in labs. So actually being able to conduct the testing itself is the biggest hurdle. But once you move from there, it's where do you do it? How frequently do you do it? Do you require it as a condition of coming back to work, et cetera? There's, it's sort of fraught with both logistical and uh, worker privacy issues. So what plans are companies considering as far as testing their employees? You give some examples in your story, including Amazon.com. Sure. So um, Jeff Bezos, Amazon CEO, told shareholders in a letter that they had started to gather the equipment to build a COVID-19 testing lab for Amazon employees. You know, obviously that's a well-resourced company that has the ability to do that. What other companies are considering are diagnostic tests to make sure that people don't actively have the virus before allowing them to come back to work. Um, Those tests could be done either on an on-site health clinic or a doctor's office nearby the office. Um, And yet another option that companies are considering is anti body testing, i.e. looking for, you know, evidence that someone has had it and may therefore be immune to it. Um, But I will say that even with antibody testing, it's unclear if one can be immune from this and if so, for how long. So there's still a lot of unresolved medical questions too. In the meantime, there's a lot of stopgap measures in terms of asking employees to wear masks, distancing out desks, spreading out shifts. There's a lot of sort of incremental measures that they're taking as as a first step. Sarah, what privacy issues could pop up regarding companies testing their employees? So if companies are getting the results of their workers' tests, you know, that's a lot of you know, that's very private medical information, someone's current health condition. And that, you know, another factor in determining who is at high risk for the disease is, you know, do people have underlying pre-existing conditions? And that's not something that an employer could previously have asked an employee about. So this virus sort of opens the door to a new conversation between employees and employers about the staff's health conditions and family life. What if you're married to a nurse or a doctor who's on the front lines of this? And then you're go- you yourself may not have it one day, but you're going home and sharing personal space with somebody who you know is exposed to it all day. So there's a lot of information about employees' health and personal lives that comes into this conversation. That is Journal reporter Sarah Krause speaking with our Charlie Turner. Finally, can you still remember what it was like in your office all these weeks ago, what the chair felt like, who was nearby, what was on your desk? 
If your mind's eye is providing images of your office plants, you may have a little anxiety over what's become of them as days of work from home became weeks and then a month and then, well, let's not talk about it. If you did not manage to exfiltrate your beloved leafy colleagues before the lockdown, you can only hope that your office has a green angel. We've got a story on WSJ.com right now about these caretakers, often security or cleaning staff, who are taking on additional botanical duties at the moment, watering plants and doing their best to ensure that whenever we're back in the office, it won't be a hideous horticultural graveyard. Check out our story, and if there's a green angel in your office, don't forget to say thanks for all this rather lonely gardening. And that is what's news for this morning. If you like our show, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We are back with another updated episode this evening, and there's always more on WSJ.com and our app. I'm Mark Garrison with The Wall Street Journal. Thank you for listening.